Hi, and welcome to another episode of SwitchCast, a podcast delving into the world of film brought to you by the team at Switch. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Charlie David Page. I'm Jess Fenton. And I'm Daniel Lamon. It's Thursday the 20th of September 2018. On this week's show, we lay shit on the single worst thing that has ever happened in the history of cinema ever. 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 And as always, all our reviews and giveaways. Let's get straight into it with The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Daniel took the time to check this one out, so did the film tick all the right boxes? Really clutching at straws with those puns there, but hey look. I could build an entire fucking house out of them, thank you very much. <laughs> a house with a clock in its walls? <laughs> a straw house with the clock in its walls. Silence, silence. Time for me to review the film. Silence. <laughs> It's 1953, and orphan 10-year-old Lewis, Owen Vaccaro, is sent to live with his eccentric uncle Jonathan, Jack Black, in a strange old house. He quickly finds out that his uncle is actually a warlock, and with the help of Jonathan and their equally eccentric neighbour Mrs Zimmerman, Kate Blanchett, Lewis begins to learn the magic arts. But something sinister is going on, and it may have to do with the mysterious ticking sound in the walls. Do you know what a warlock is, Lewis? A boy witch. I think they're a little more than boy witches. Are you saying that you're a warlock? Please teach me, please, please. Okay, have it your way. This house used to be owned by another warlock. He's very wicked, very powerful. He left a hidden clock in the walls. We don't know what it does except something horrible. Three gongs. Last time it was four. What happens when it gets down to one? Nothing good, that's for certain. Based on the classic children's novel, The House with a Clock in Its Walls is an odd little film. Directed with surprising good humour by Eli Roth, it's often a lot of fun, bolstered by wonderful performances from Vaccaro and Blanchett. Even so, it never quite works. For everything it gets right, it gets about five things wrong, relying on bad jokes and held down by a confused screenplay. Jack Black is also either a bad fit for the film or horribly misdirected. As a consequence, what could have been a really great time ends up being a mostly forgettable one. Two and a half stars. Uh, I mean, it's very interesting that you mentioned Jack Black being a little bit incompatible with this film, because one of the things I thought when I saw the trailer was, Jesus Christ, is he just playing the same character he's playing in Goosebumps? No, the weird thing about Jack Black's performance in this film is I'm not entirely sure where the fault lies. I mean, the screenplay kind of allows him to fall into his worst tendencies as an actor, overacting or... It's super hamminess, yeah. Like, kind of, like, awkward confusion and hamminess. But then there are actually some genuinely moving moments from him. So I'm not sure whether it's the screenplay is the problem, because the screenplay is not very good. Also, just Eli Roth kind of misdirecting him and not quite knowing what to do with him. At least the one thing I would say about his performance in Goosebumps was that at least in that film, they knew what to do with him. In this film, I'm not quite sure that they do know what to do with him. Oh, he was awful in Goosebumps. And please tell me in this film, he doesn't have that stupid voice again. No, it's very, it's much closer to him. It actually reminded me a little bit more of his performance in King Kong, just not quite as mm. adept because he's not being directed by someone who knows what they're doing. The real surprise <laughs> is actually how well he, he works with Kate Blanchett. Like, they have a really good rapport. I mean, yeah, to me, they, I can't, I still cannot picture the two of them together on screen. It's just no. bizarre. You can't, but 
the bizarre thing is they work so well together and they're clearly having an absolute ball. That's nice. Um, Like, you can see very quickly why Kate Blanchett decided to do the film. Like, she's having so much fun. And both of them... guessing for the fun. Both of them clearly just think that Owen Vaccaro is wonderful. So they're just basically building every, all their performances around supporting him. And he is. He's probably the best thing about the film. So yeah, it's it's one of those films that gets so close to getting so many things right, but it gets so many things wrong. And just going, uh, it, like, it reminded me a lot of Casper. Like those 90s films like Casper. Like it, has, it has that great... Because one of the things it does really well is it understands that kids kind of love getting scared. So mm. it's genuinely at points quite scary and at points quite graphic but in a way that's really appropriate for kids and would kind of give them a bit of a thrill. So it's it feels like a bit of a throwback. It's just a real pity that it never gets there. Well, I mean, it, it has been interesting to see some of the comments from Eli Roth talking about kind of how he went about putting those kind of scares in and the fact that he was trying to make it genuinely scary for kids, which, mm. I mean, is obviously not something that most directors or people involved in children's films would be considering, but obviously he's he's gone to that effort for it, at least. And I think he was the right... I, mean, I don't think he was an odd fit, but I think he was the right fit mostly for the film. He understands how to strike that tone really well, and the aesthetics of the film are great. Like, the how looks amazing the special effects are pretty good like there's lots of really great detail and there is a lot of sincerity in it but yeah it just it just doesn't hit the way that it should it gives me a miss peregrine vibe and i hated that movie (laughs) it's definitely better than miss peregrine miss peregrine is a bit more slick this Mm -hmm. has a bit more irreverent charm to it so yeah I, i i still enjoyed it but i won't think about it very much but if you want to know more, you can find my full review at maketheswitch.com.au and The House with a Clock in Its Walls is in cinemas now. Also at today is Ladies in Black. Just got a glimpse at this Aussie flick, so did you find it a good fit? Hmm. We open on a shot of Sydney Harbour, the bridge to the right, Luna Park to the left, and until the year pops up, 1950-something, you'd think this image is Sydney 2018, and it's all downhill from here. Based on a best-selling novel and adapted and directed by legendary Aussie filmmaker Bruce Beresford, Ladies in Black follows the lives of four women who work in the upscale goods department store over the Christmas New Year period. There's teenager Lisa and Gory Rice, who's discovering and developing her identity while awaiting her exam results and dreaming of going to university. Faye, Rachel Taylor, who wants nothing more than to be swept off her feet like the women she reads about in romance novels. Paddy, Alison McGurr, who wants a baby and a little love and passion from her husband, and Magda, Julia Ormond, a Slovenian refugee who wants to teach Australian women all about style and fashion. Miss Baines, Mrs Williams, this is Miss Miles. These ladies will show you the ropes. Good afternoon, ladies. You must be the new jeune fille. This came for you. Oh, Dad, I'll have to sign this. Dad, I need you to sign this form. Look, I've told you before, no daughter of mine is going to university. We'll think of something. Oh, it was all over me. They only want one thing. All of them. I mean, what do you expect? They're going to kiss your hand and throw their coats over dreams? Sorry. I always knew that I'd lose you someday. I know you'll never lose me. I'll stay with you always. I hope so. But now something more important. Your dad's dinner. Now that you've met everyone, I can now tell you that for the next hour and 45 minutes, you'll see each and every one of them do absolutely nothing noteworthy or even mildly entertaining. You will, however, roll your eyes at their overt Australianness, bulk at the language use and struggle to keep your eyes open as you're forced to watch four of the most unengaging and boring women on film. 
With that eye-popping cinematography, sets, costumes or settings and a woeful screenplay leaves everything to the imagination because what's in front of you is borderline unbearable. Half a star. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. It's not great. I don't think I hated it quite as much as you did, but it has <laughs> like all the problems that you identify. I completely agree with the uh, the overtly Aussiness of it. Yes, they use the word "struth" several times. Yeah, it's <laughs> it feels like a very outdated museum piece mm-hmm. of a film. Like I thought, some of the performances were kind of charming, but it also it has no central through line. No. It's, it's too episodic. There's, there's too many storyline flapping in the wind. I just, yeah, I forgot it almost as soon as I walked out of the cinema. Yeah. I, look, it is quite timely. There is a small thread throughout the film about refugees and how, you know, um, them in, you know, enjoying the lucky country and assimilating in, um, you know, and and threading their sort of cultural influences um, throughout Australian life and introducing people to new ideas and acceptance and that kind of stuff, which is, it was nice and um, it's relevant, but at the same time, it was just, it wasn't done well. And when you've got, you know, a couple refugees sitting around a Christmas table talking about, oh, how lucky we are to be in Australia. Oh, I love this country so much. You just, you just want to throw popcorn at the screen. Your comment about the shot about of Sydney Harbour at the beginning was literally the same thing I thought and like yeah. it was something that was very distracting going this doesn't look authentic and I know no. that it probably doesn't have a particularly big budget but don't overextend yourself if you can't execute it exactly yeah. it was so slight to the point where it was almost non-existent which is weird because like um the novel The Women in Black was just adapted in the recent years into like a hit musical mm. so the one, comp- one, one thing I keep hearing from other people is why didn't they just adapt the fucking musical because yeah. that clearly works, and that's like toured the country and been really successful. So it's a, an, an inert film, I thought. Well, if you dare, Ladies in Black is in cinemas now, and you can check out my full review at maketheswitch.com.au. Also out today is Johnny English Strikes Back. The adventure begins when a cyber attack reveals the identity of all active undercover agents in Britain, leaving Johnny English as the Secret Service's last hope. Called out of retirement, English... Johnny English, dives headfirst into action with the mission to find the mastermind hacker. As a man with few skills and old school methods, he must overcome the challenges of modern technology to make this mission a success. Can I just ask, what is wrong with you? Did you or did you not burn the Côte du Roc restaurant to the ground? Um... And did you fire a missile at a peloton of French cyclists? Well... Before commandeering an open-top bus and tossing the tour guide off the top deck? My one question is, is Natalie Ambrulia in this film? Because if she's not, then I'm torn. <laughs> oh, da- how long have you been working on that one? At least a good three minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm still stuck on the plot because that has literally never been done before. Except <laughs> rattles off ten other films that have done exactly that. I can't believe there are three of these movies. I haven't seen a single one. <laughs> Um, nor do I intend to. this was happening, I was like, is this a joke? <laughs> One of the things that always gets me whenever I see Rowan Atkinson's name on a movie poster as in a starring role is he is considered to be one of the greatest comedians of all time. And 
I always struggle to see why. Like, I know he has this really famous stand-up special from about, like, 30 years ago, and he's mm. done Blackadder, which, again, was, like, 30 years ago. And mm, since then, like, for now. my generation, it's Mr. Bean and now Johnny English. And I, I don't like these people. <laughs> I don't care about them. I don't watch them. I don't want to watch them. Career. I don't want to see three of their fucking films. I just feel like he's wasting his talent. Who are they making them for? Like, who's going to see them? Who remembers that Johnny English exists? My assumption is that he's needing another wing on his mansion or running Mm -hmm. out of syndication money for Mr. Bean. No, you can't run out of syndication money for Mr. Bean. That thing will never fucking die. (laughs) It will will always be on in-flight entertainment. Mm. The other thing I take umbrage with this film is that it is a third film, and yet it is a title that references The Empire Strikes Back, which is a second film. And as a pedantic person, (laughs) this upsets me. (laughs) This is incorrect. This is an incorrect reference. What are they doing? <laughs> this is not right. I will take this oh, up. God. You will take this up with my lawyers. <laughs> oh my God, he's rocking gently in the corner now. <laughs> yeah. I'm just waiting for his, his voice to go so high that only dogs can hear him. Oh, every day. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's, like, there's not really much to talk about with this film because it seems like such a stupid idea. And also, who's going to see it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry to people who made this film. I'm sure you put a lot of effort and love into this, but I'm also sure you're not listening to this podcast from a bunch of people in Australia <laughs> talking about film. Um, uh, but also, we haven't been invited to see the damn thing. So I can guarantee, being school holiday time, there will be a few families who go and check this out. You mean a few middle-aged men who'll go, oh, kids, let's go watch Johnny English. I used to watch Rowan Atkinson when I was a kid on a show called Mr. Bean or and or Blackadder. Let's go watch. And he'll walk out and go, wasn't that great, kids? And they'll go, I've lost all hope in humanity and, and the will, will to live. live. <laughs> Please, can you find me a hole to sit in so I can, can contemplate the nihilistic existence I live where this film exists and my parents think this is appropriate for me to watch. And the father goes, oh, but wasn't it funny when he walked into the glass door? And I want to know who the chippy... Oh, it's Olga Kurilenko. Yeah. Of course the it chippy is. chippy in this one. Because anyone who was in a bad Bond film has to end up in these films. And, oh, Emma Thompson is in it as the Prime Minister of Britain. Love it. Oh, God. She's the one who needs a new wing on her mansion. <laughs> So I'm doing a film where I'm probably going to get nominated for an Oscar, but I'll do this one for the shits and giggles of it because I need some new chairs. Hey, she needs to play the Prime Minister. She yeah. should be the Prime Minister. <laughs> of the world. <laughs> of everything. <laughs> we love you, Emma Thompson. Yes, we do. Well, from one children's film to another, also out today is Smallfoot. Jess put one foot in front of the other to check this one out at the cinema. So, is this animation a big success or is it absolutely abominable (laughs) wow i could hear the joy in your voice as you're getting closer and closer going i'm gonna drop this bomb and i'm gonna drop it and run i have to say abominable a pun bomb (laughs) yeah what's the film like just tell us put us out of our misery okay i'm about to blow your freaking minds because smallfoot is a musical I know, right? Look, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no musical numbers and 10 being like The Little Mermaid, Smallfoot sits at around a 6. There are a grand total of 5 songs in the whole film. They're not quite bangers or catchy in any way, parents breathe a sigh of relief, but they are beautiful and cool songs, in particular a rap number by Common, who also provides the voice of a Yeti elder. So, story-wise, Channing Tatum is Mego, a Yeti who lives high on a mountain, a happy, ignorant Yeti life along with everyone else in the village. They live according to the ancient stones that dictate the laws 
of their world. Sound familiar, anyone? When Migo happens to see a human, aka a small foot, one day, he's banished from the village when he refuses to denounce what he saw, thus going against the stones. Desperate to be allowed home again, he bands together with fellow small foot believers to capture one. Meanwhile, down on the ground, Percy, James Corden, is a failing nature documentarian who, after trying to fake a Yeti encounter to boost his ratings, actually runs into Migo and the pair end up helping each other. Welcome to the SES. Stands for Smallfoot Exists, suckers! We have been collecting proof of the Smallfoot's existence. Behold, the scroll of invisible wisdom. Imagine the amazing stuff they put on here. This proves nothing! Look, I know what I saw, and I'm gonna prove it! <gasps> oh, holy wildness! Introduce myself. Hi, I'm. Oh, look at you! You're adorable. Uh, Smallfoot? Oh, that's supposed to fall out like that? It's fun, it's cute, it's genuinely funny, and my niece and nephew loved it. As for the grown-ups, Smallfoot is one big allegory for religion, blind faith, and how it leads to bigotry and violence. Again, I know. So yeah, there's something for everyone here, and if it does its job right, the kids will learn something without even knowing it too. Three and a half stars. Smallfoot is in cinemas now, and you can check out my full review at maketheswitch.com.au. See what I did there? (laughs) That was a surprise (laughs) musical. (laughs) Also out today is Ghost Hunter. Western Sydney security guard and part-time ghost hunter Jason King has spent two decades searching for his absent father. As a survivor of trauma, he seeks to reconcile his fractured memories and piece together his past. When his search converges with a police investigation, a horrific family secret is exposed, forcing him to confront a brutal past to reclaim his future. The first ghost I ever saw was my brother's. He was killed in a car accident. I never knew I had a brother until I was 18. We wanted to know the truth. Did we have the same dad? I have to get rid of that mystery once and for all. Jack, Jonathan, Howard. I got told by friends to look up the hospital records. That's when all my nightmares started all over again. Classified documents, head injuries, and there's a lot of horror stuff in it. A lot of it I still can't remember. I've got a lot of questions and he's probably the only one that can answer them. Why are you doing it now? I've got no memories of my childhood. Doesn't matter where I look, doesn't exist anyway. I just had a lady contact me. She says she knew my dad. There's something that I really need to tell you. What the hell? Finally, I Am Paul Walker is in cinemas from tomorrow. Just checked out this biopic on the Fast and Furious franchise star, so is it a fitting tribute? With unprecedented access to home movies and one-on-one interviews with his whole family and childhood friends, we're finally granted a peek behind the wall that guarded the reluctant superstar Paul Walker. Never quite the Hollywood type, this Southern Californian surfer dude with those incredible blue eyes with good looks and talent to match balanced his movie star life with that of an adrenaline junkie who cared more about his family and helping those in need than any red carpet or party. He was a big kid. He liked to go fast. As soon as I was old enough to hang on tight, I was on the back of his big well with him going for the ride of my life. Yay! 
That guy made the best of every single minute. He lived five lifetimes. The gun-toting hippie, balance of opposites, uh, you know, a lover and a fighter. Cinema didn't capture it all, couldn't capture it all. Paul was always an actor who had one foot in and one foot out. Right. He would just disappear. I'll take that. Bye, Paul. He'd always say, like, I wanted to be a park ranger, you know, make 28 grand a year and, like, live in the wilderness. That's really what he wanted to do. My daughter, my surfing, that's the life. And that's what I care about. While a lovely tribute to the star of the Fast and Furious franchise that garnered him fans the world over, it never delves deep enough to be gripping or a cutting tale of the man behind the man. With his family's involvement, the spotlight is placed squarely on his philanthropy and humanitarian work and the actions of a great friend and even greater family man. Any story or incident that is nothing short of glowing is only ever hinted at or alluded to before the subject is changed or forgotten, leaving Paul's story unfulfilling and his audience with more questions than answers. While a beautifully made documentary about a wonderful man who met a tragic and untimely end, it's simply nice and one that only fans will enjoy. Three stars. I Am Paul Walker is in cinemas tomorrow, and you can check out my full review at maketheswitch.com.au. Now let's take a look at our most anticipated film of the week in our trailer app. Well, Damien Chazelle and Ryan Gosling teamed up for the six-time Oscar-winning La La Land. They're now collaborating once again. Here is the latest trailer for First Man. Neil, everyone's in agreement. We need you to be commander. You're going to the moon. First man to walk on the moon. It's gonna be a hell of a ride. Are you sure? Be an adventure. Mom, what's wrong? Nothing, honey. Your dad's going to the moon. Our mission is so difficult. It's requiring so many technological developments. We're gonna have to start from scratch. Damn, that is a big mother. It'll go up like a bomb if it blows. Yeah, we've had a problem. The rocket's not safe. I'm not sure how much more of this he can take now. If we got a bad fire! There's no easy way to save us. They're gone. Daniel, come back down to earth. Yes, Daniel, you have something to say? Um, yes, um, yes, I, yes, 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 I'm excited. Obviously, I made that noise. Come on, um, use those words, Daniel. Yeah. Um, look, it's Damien Chazelle. That's it. That's enough. That's enough said. Like, he's yeah. made two great films. Like, he's made one incredible film in Whiplash and then had a really great film in La La Land. Um, yeah, I just can't wait. Everything about this looks fucking epic all of the reviews that have come out of venice make it sound fucking epic one review said it's it's it does for space exploration films what saving private ryan does did for a war film like it puts you within the experience and everything about this trailer everything about the the footage um suggests that that is exactly what it is it's going plus it's damien chazelle like the guy is incredible the work he does is incredible because collaborators are often incredible and ryan gosling when given great material can be spectacular so yeah i'm there i'm fucking there Stick me in IMAX. Yeah. I love the look of this film. I love I love it sort of gritty. It's got that sort of handheld look. They've even aged it appropriately for the time. Um, I'm excited to see Damien Chazelle do something that doesn't involve music. 
um, to see, you know, just to see him spread his wings a bit. Yeah. Also, one of the most fascinating things is I, I Googled it just before we started recording. This is actually, I believe, the first film about Neil Armstrong, which I yeah. find incredible. Like, obviously, his character is featured in other films or it's been talked about, but there's never been, no one has ever made this film before, mm. which is mind-blowing. I think it's also great because there's, then there's no comparison. Like, Damien Chazelle, is, he's setting the benchmark uh, for a Neil Armstrong biopic, and it does look beautiful, and I'm so excited. And he's such an inspired choice to do mm. it. Like, off the back of Whiplash and La La Land, you don't instantly go, who are we going to get to do a film about the, <laughs> no, the no, man walking on the moon? Oh, let's get the guy who did the musical about LA. Like, it's such an, insp- like an exciting, inspired choice, which I think has to do with his relationship with Ryan Gosling, because I think Ryan yeah. Gosling brought him the project. But also, Claire Foy's in it, and Claire Foy, yes. we love Claire Foy. Like, Claire Foy's amazing. Mm-hmm. More Claire Foy. We're going to get to see her on an IMAX screen. Giant Claire Foy. <laughs> giant Claire Foy. I'm Way there for giant Claire Foy. is not enough. I always say the bigger the better where Claire Foy is concerned. So. But yeah, everything that, about the look of this film, the responses the film's gotten, like, I'm there. I'm fucking stick it in my veins now. And you don't have to wait that long. <laughs> no! It does look spectacular. And the good news is for Australian audiences, we can see First Man from the 11th of October. That is very, very soon. <laughs> so get excited. And for all the latest trailers, make sure you head to youtube.com forward slash make the switch AU. Now for some more completely composed and very rational opinions. Let's continue <laughs> from Daniel Lamon. <laughs> if you want to piss off any reputable film buff, you just need to say two words. Motion smoothing. It's that function on your TV which smooths out the image to apparently make it look closer to real life, but just ends up making it look like a shitty video game. Well, purveyors of all things traditional, Christopher Nolan and Paul Thomas Anderson, are making it their mission to get audiences to grab their remotes and send this bullshit function to the pits of hell where (laughs) it belongs. Discuss. Oh, best intro ever. Throw the cat among the pigeons. I don't think it's so much throw the cat among the, amongst the pigeons as throw a grenade amongst the pigeons. Because it's a fuck. Like I, okay, I've got, I have. This is an anecdote to start with. I have some really good friends of mine that bought this enormous, beautiful TV, and we said, okay, well, The Force Awakens is about to come out. Let's watch all the Star Wars films, like in order to get ourselves ready. And we'd alternate between particular people's houses. So when we got to watching A New Hope, it was at their house, and they had motion smoothing on the TV. I had oh, to watch heathens. A New Hope. With motion smoothing. No. And they wouldn't change it. (laughs) Like, I couldn't... I I was this close to just grabbing the remote out of the hand and just doing it myself. But apparently another friend did it for me, like, another time. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you need to dump these friends immediately, Daniel. It's Um fine, because we fixed it, but it's fine. But let's discuss why this is a bullshit thing. I think it's a much wider issue than just motion smoothing here that we're dealing with. I think the idea of us trying to replicate as best as possible the correct movie or television program on our home entertainment systems is the big issue. I mean, it comes down to, you know, like, yes, colours. It comes down to the issue of aspect ratio. Like, the there are so many things which actually change this movie that can kind of fuck up the experience. And yes, motion smoothing is probably a pretty heinous crime because of it changes the entire way the film looks but there are so many other issues that we can address here too like for instance have you ever been in a pub where (laughs) there's some sport on and the people don't quite look the right shape yeah well that's because every single fucking pub has their television set to the wrong aspect ratio and i swear on my life i could make a business going around and getting pubs to pay me to put their televisions in the right aspect ratio money for jam 
when I was studying at NIDA, I went into every single classroom and changed the aspect ratio on every TV. If we ever watched anything on a TV and it was in the wrong aspect ratio, I yelled, stop. I grabbed the remote and I said, I'm not dealing with this bullshit. And I changed the aspect ratio. Like, that's one thing. I mean, that that like that's something that comes down to a lot of ignorance from most people. Before widescreen TVs turned up, it was a very confusing concept, the idea of an aspect ratio. Mm. But I don't understand what the point of motion smoothing or true motion is. I don't understand what, well, what, what purpose it serves. And I don't understand why it is that for most televisions, it's the standard function. I mean, it's this idea of wanting to replicate what reality looks like. We're coming off 100 years of 24 frames per second. To us, that is what reality looks like when on a television screen. There's nothing pleasant about the visual look of motion smoothing. Yeah. Cinema is escapism. We don't want it to be more realistic. We don't want it to look like your fucking football game. No. My understanding, and and you can't quote me on this because I, I clearly have no experience in this realm, but the best use of motion smoothing is in things like watching sport on television yeah. again i have no clue what that looks like no. because that's not something that happens on my television but uh, apparently <laughs> can i say the thing that i love most about this topic this discussion that we're having right now is that it is a discussion about a solution to a problem this isn't yet another preachy filmmaker going out there going i don't like streaming and i don't like people watching movies on computers and i don't mm. like this and i don't like this and i don't like this and they're giving us a problem with that a solution this is actually two people and two great people coming together and working together to give us a solution to a problem and i realize it's a problem that a lot of um, lay people don't understand that they have but they do and i'm i'm all for it whether it's successful or not whether it actually happens or not is not the point i just i'm so happy that finally there is a voice out there in the world that is presenting a solution and not more problems Next step, we need a government campaign telling the Australian public how to turn off their motion smoothing. That is the mm. next step. We need to spend several million dollars on that. Yeah, they did it when we went from analogue to digital. Why not, <laughs> not this? Because, I mean, at its, heart, at its heart, what this is, is like every filmmaker I can I would imagine agrees with this because it's the one thing where it renders whatever the artistic decision was about the look of look of something it it destroys it like it ruins whatever the intention was it's got nothing to do with what format it's presented in what size it's presented in like whether it's digital or film or whatever it's it just ruins whatever was made there to begin with so yeah let us hope that this is the start of a movement that sends this stupid function back to hell where it belongs. <laughs> May it never be seen again. And I swear, if I walk into... I put this as a warning to all of my friends who listen to this podcast, so all two of you. If I ever walk into your house and you have a television and you have motion smoothing on your television, you will expect that I will grab your remote, I will change the function, and I will scream expletives at it the entire time. And then I will turn to you, hand the remote, and go, no, don't ever do it again yeah and if daniel's friends if you are listening if you could film this incident and put it on like <laughs> facebook live YouTube, or instagram or something yeah, like that yeah. that would be just that'd be tops thank you hysterical gay <laughs> loses shit at television <laughs> one million hits right there <laughs> all right now on to something a little bit more exciting giveaways we have some great giveaways up for grabs this week, particularly this first one. First up, we have five copies of the modern horror masterpiece Hereditary, starring Toni Collette on Blu-ray. After her mother passes away, Annie and her family begin to unravel ominous and hidden family secrets they have no choice but to face. 
This family tragedy is transformed into a deeply unsettling nightmare in this shattering and horrifying portrait of heritage gone to hell. We're also giving away five Blu-ray copies of Tully this week. Academy Award-nominated director Jason Reitman and Academy Award-winning screenwriter Diablo Cody reunite for Tully, following Marlo, Charlize Theron, a mother of three, including a newborn, who is gifted a night nanny by her brother, Mark Duplass. Hesitant to the presence of Tully, Mackenzie Davis, at first, Marlo comes to form a unique bond with a thoughtful, surprising, and sometimes challenging young nanny. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot hit cinemas soon, and we're giving you the chance to win one of five double passes. Based on the true story of John Callanan, Joaquin Phoenix, an alcoholic who nearly loses his life in a car accident, the last thing he intends to do is to give up drinking. When he reluctantly enters treatment, with the encouragement from both his girlfriend, Rooney Mara, and a charismatic sponsor, Jonah Hill, Callahan discovers a gift for drawing edgy, irreverent newspaper cartoons that develop a national following and grant him a new lease on life. We're also giving away five double passes to see McKellen playing the part in cinemas. Discover the life story of Sir Ian McKellen, as told by the man himself in this feature-length documentary. The legend shares his personal stories and thoughts from his childhood to present day, as well as a wealth of never-before-seen material. Private photo albums, diaries written when he was 12, and behind-the-scenes footage from theatre productions and movies complete this intimate and intriguing journey. And fingers crossed it features the greatest bromance in cinema history between him and Patrick Stewart. See you, see you, see you. We also have three box sets of All Saints Collection 1 to give away. Containing seasons 1 to 3 and spanning 31 DVDs, this is a must for fans of the show. Head back to the ER for this emotionally fueled drama starring Georgie Parker, John Howard and Yale Stone. For your chance to win this and all our great giveaways, head to maketheswitch.com.au forward slash comps now. And before we go, we'd like to offer you some cinematic inspiration with each of us suggesting one film that you should see this week and why. Uh, For me, I'm going to choose a film which has a bit of an emotional reaction to me. I mean, it's very funny, but it's also very sad. It has terrific performances all around. Uh, It is a little 2015 film called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So it's this really great story of a kid called Greg, who's played by Thomas Mann. He's basically everybody's friend, but nobody's friend in high school. And um, basically his mum forces him to go over to this girl Rachel's house who has cancer. And they kind of end up developing this really, really sweet relationship. It ends up bringing in the titular Earl, who is basically Greg's kind of, well, only friend, but he says he's an employee. And they, these two kind of make these quirky little indie films uh, together. And it's, it's this really kind of strange friendship that they have and they kind of bring Rachel into that and then they start making films for her and it's just about this entire like sweet but really funny but also incredibly sad story about how these three teenagers deal with with the situation that they have at hand so yeah I really love Me and Earl and the Dying Girl I I went to see the screening of that the morning after I saw Holding the Man for the second time and as you can imagine, I was a little bit exhausted. I was like emotionally wrung out by the end of meal in the dying goal. I think I was pretty much carried out of the cinema being like, I feel nothing. I feel nothing anymore. I'm done. I'm spent. You had all of the feels. I had so many feels. I mean, it's, it's just, it's one of those little quirky indie films, which you watch and you will love for the rest of your life. Like it is just, it's priceless. So yeah. Please, please, please go and see Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. You will appreciate it. It was in my top five films that year. Yeah, well, I mean, as it should have been. Yes, it, it, yes. 
Please continue. <laughs> All right, Jessica, what are you recommending for us this week? Uh, I've got a classic, and I only actually just watched it again uh, a couple of days ago. I introduced it to my boyfriend for the very first time. And what's more is that when you watch it today in 2018 and realize that this movie was made 26 years ago, it is directed by a woman, it is starring a predominantly female cast, and it is about women... It makes it all the more special. I know what it is. It is 1992's A League of Their Own. I knew it. As soon as said, female director, mostly female cast. It's A League of Their Own. Obviously, must be A League of Their Own. That's a home run, Daniel. This film is amazing. It stars Tom Hanks, Gina Davis, Laurie Petty, Madonna, and Rosie O'Donnell, <laughs> just to name but a few. It is directed by Penny Marshall. That would be Gary's sister, um, who is an equally fabulous director in her own right. She also directed Big and Jumpin' Jack Flash. Um, so it's set in 1944 when all the men are away in at war. Um, the world of baseball is sort of left in limbo. And so um, some of the team owners get together and decide to create a women's baseball league to keep the game going. So, yeah, they, they travel the country. They recruit women to play what is at the time perceived to be a man's sport in a man's world. And it's about the struggles for acceptance, for um, acknowledgement and notoriety. And then eventually, you know, they find their audience and they prove that they're just as good as the men. It is hilarious. It is tragic and heartbreaking as well. It is such a beautiful and incredible film. Um, and I cannot recommend it enough because it's just, it's fun. And if anyone has ever heard the line, there's no crying in baseball, this is the film it comes from. And so now you can go out and uh, see it for yourself. Great choice, Jess. All right, Daniel, what have you got for us this week? I'm actually going from a film from exactly the same year as Jess's. Um, I'm going to recommend Francis Ford Coppola's absolute batshit insane adaptation (laughs) of Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) Like, this film is off the chain. Nobody in this film, and this is a cast that includes Gary Oldman, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves, Kerry Elwes, Richard E. Grant, um, Sadie Frost, Tom Waits, Monica Belushi. Nobody in this film is acting at anything less than an 11. Like, it is... Like, they look like they're all about to, like, burst a vessel. They're acting so hard in it. It is opulent. It is camp. It is ridiculous. The production design is jaw-dropping. It has probably the best costume design in any film I've ever seen. Like, the images in this film are, like, flat-out iconic. But it is so opulent and so over-the-top and so silly um, and so camp and such a great fucking time. Like, I love it. It is, like, playing to the nines. So yeah, you want to see you want to see like operatic horror. Watch Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Also, to try and see probably the worst performance that Keanu Reeves has ever given in yeah. wrestling with a British accent is a sight to see. <laughs> um, and Gary Keanu Reeves Oldman, is one of the greatest actors of all time. Of all time. And it's and also Gary Oldman, you know, method acting playing an ancient. Hundred, many hundred year old blood sucking vampire who occasionally turns into a bat slash wolf. And he's fucking bat methoding it. Wolf. Like slash methoding wolf. it hard. Screw the darkest hour. That's Gary Holman's <laughs> great makeup performance. Oh, him as old Dracula with the long red coat and the white hair, like the long white hair and the nails. Oh, oh a huge or a man of good taste. Oh, it's delicious. Oh. God, I love it. I love it so much. Wow. Well, I don't think we could have chosen any three more different films this week. That was uh, oh, that was uh, definitely something. But, um, what do you mean? <laughs> they are so similar. 
all very good recommendations in their own right. How can you go past a film where Gary Oldman angrily screams in, like, Transylvanian or something? Whilst, like, being covered in blood pouring from a giant cross while we're on a ride lies dead at his feet. And Anthony Hopkins, like, jumbles around and, like, muttering in Transylvanian. Oh, it's amazing. All I'm saying is I'm really glad we started with me and Earl and the Dying Girl and finished with Bram Stoker's Dracula and not the other way around because that would have gone weird. covered in blood screaming in a foreign language while dressed as a red armadillo. (laughs) And then she died of cancer. And played baseball. A red armadillo. That's literally, literally what he looks like. A giant red armadillo. A red armadillo. Well, you can find the links to all the articles that we've talked about on this week's podcast at maketheswitch.com.au. And please subscribe to Switchcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favourite podcast platform. And don't forget to rate us. Stay in touch with us on Twitter as well. I'm at Charlie underscore David. Jess? At Miss Jess underscore Switch. And Daniel? At Daniel Lamon. And you can ask me all the things about how to turn off motion smoothing, because <laughs> if you need any advice, I'll fucking give it to you. You should post a step-by-step guide. Here's how you do it. <laughs> The last step is the gates of heaven open for you and God welcomes you into his arms for doing such human things. And by God, do you mean Steven Spielberg? Yes, obviously. No, yes. Kubrick or something. Spielberg's alive. If this was the good place, if you turned off motion smoothing on your television, it would instantly guarantee you into the good place. Just so you're aware. Okay, that that is not a guarantee. Switchcast cannot guarantee that that will actually happen. But I can. All of Daniel Lemon's opinions are not endorsed by Switchcast. (laughs) When have they ever been endorsed by this podcast? When and why? Generally, he's one step away from being exiled most weeks, so yes. (laughs) What can they do if they enjoy the podcast, Charlie? What can they do? Well, I guess if you really like it, then you should follow it. And I mean, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Make the Switch AU to stay up to date with all the latest reviews, news, trailers, and giveaways, and maybe directions on how to turn off. <laughs> and you can find all the notes and links to everything we've discussed in this week's podcast, as well as other episodes, by visiting switchcast.com.au. All right, deep breath, everyone. We're taking a short break. But we will be back soon. In the meantime, make sure you visit the Switchcast archive and catch up on all our shenanigans and priceless red armadillo recommendations. I mean, there's hours of Brent thirsting over something and talking about Eurovision. So, like, why wouldn't you? There are also hours of Tilda Swinton and Darren Aronofsky in there too. I also highly recommend the episode where we talk about the greatest sex scenes in cinema. Classics. Classics. Yes, but then you miss out on a lot of great sex scenes. I listened to that episode and I had umbrage with some of the things that were missing. I was, I was like cleaning, <laughs> like cleaning my house like. after I moved out of it. And I was like, you're missing this one and this one. Like, no one mentioned the sex scene in her. I was very upset. Anyway. <laughs> it may have been cut. Oh, and also the episode where we talk about the mountain between us. Oh my and God. And Daniel almost no. killed himself at the gym while listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> There is fun, <laughs> there are tears, there is controversy. We so need a best of episode. Smeggy dear. So make sure you do check out the archive. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon, so we'll see you then. Yes. If you really want us to be. Like, if you dare. If you haven't given up. Play the theme. Play the theme. <laughs>